Hello, and welcome to the 3D Meetup podcast. For this episode, we sat down and chatted with Darko Mitev. He's a senior character artist living and working in Dublin in Brownbag. Darko has an impressive portfolio of work, including characters, props, and environments. On top of his full-time job at Brownbag, Darko freelances as a sculptor and a character designer. He's run several classes for Animation Skillnet, he's put together tutorials on some of his past creations, and somehow he still finds time for personal projects. I always enjoy talking to Darko. His love of his craft is infectious. He's humble, enthusiastic, and full of advice and ideas. During the show, we chat about how he got into 3D, his first big project and starting his first company. We talk about how he approaches his art and about the project that won him a 3D Total Award. We touch on freelancing, pricing, and finding work as a freelancer, and we finish up with some words of advice. I will warn you that the audio on this episode isn't quite up to scratch. We're still finding our feet, so you'll have to bear with us. For this episode, though, we feel like the content more than makes up for it. I hope you enjoy it, and I'll see you on the other side. I'm here with Darko Mitev. Um, first of all, thanks very much for joining us. Oh, really thanks for having me. Yeah, um, it's a pleasure. I think we'll just get stuck in. Why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, and how you got into 3D? Uh, well, uh, first of all, as I said, thanks for having me. Um, it's an honor to be here. Um, I am from Macedonia originally. I, I was born and grew up there. And um, uh, how I started, it's a, it's kind of interesting story because I, a lot of my family members, they're very, like most of them, I should say, they're very artistic in one way or another. So my mom, for example, she can draw like really, really well. And um, uh, I have a, a lot of family members that are into music and stuff. So I was always kind of driven into like telling stories in one or uh, like one, one medium or another. And it wasn't until like my first year of high school where my teacher kind of introduced me to Maya as a like optional software. Like we were supposed to learn like Photoshop and like Dreamweaver and like some other stuff that are kind of common. And then she came out and was like, oh, yeah, there's this new software that's kind of, you know, breaking into like Macedonian CG industry, which we don't have, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately. Um, it's called Maya. So if you any of you want to like, give it a try, like there's like personal learning edition Maya 5. And I was like, all right, let's see what, what it can do. And then I kind of started Googling and it's, it's funny, like you hear a lot of these artists like saying it about like big movies that kind of inspired them to go mm-hmm. into it. For me, it was actually Final Fantasy VII, the, the movie, not the game. Um, so Advent Children, uh, I saw it and I was like, done in Maya. And I was like, really? You can do this with this little software? I was like, I'm going to learn this. Yeah. And it was not like, um, it was not like, oh, it's an obligation or it was just like fun, like going home and like, how do you do this? Mm-hmm. And then you, like, I didn't have internet at home at the time. So I was like, mm-hmm. well, how do you learn something when you don't have access to the web? Like, like, there are, like, there were some tutorials online and not, not that, that much, but like when you're at home and you try to do stuff and it doesn't work, it's like very frustrating, you know? So, yeah, I mean, that was like the early starts. Like you just open up my help and... You just read it and like, okay, this is the extrude button. If you click, it's going to add geometry and it's going to allow you to pull it. And like, oh, actually, so this is how you model. Yeah. 
and then you go back to to you know school and show it to your teacher and like and she was like oh this is looking really good it was not but she was she was being too nice she didn't want to like say oh you 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 just basically don't know what you're doing but yeah it was yeah that was the very early start of my 3D career <laughs> uh, so to speak so did you go to college then or um i i was into um art science uh, program okay. uh, in college uh, because like in Macedonia I think to this day there is no dedicated proper college for 3D sure. so there's like there's some private schools that now they teach um, like introduction to Maya or like VFX in general so they mm. teach you like a little bit of like Nuke a little bit of like Photoshop uh, but it's like in my opinion uh, it's not enough to get you into production it's more of hey here's what is out there and what we use, and this is how it works, and then you just continue to develop it on your on yeah. your own, basically, and you have the teachers to kind of support you. But uh, at the time, there was like literally zero um, uh, like learning, uh, like like in in school, like learning material sure. for it. So I pretty much um, had to go to like a computer science kind of school, uh, which was like more technical, and was, like we were te- uh, taught a lot of electricity and like a system of automation uh, like flip sure. a switch and like seven like stories up like like a light bulb is gonna go on yeah that, that was like but i was lucky because we did have a practical kind of uh, classes mm-hmm. where we can explore different software um and also like computer science classes yeah. so we were we were taught a little bit of you know the entertainment part of you know uh, the computer world so to speak and yeah and so that kind of stood to you then once you did get into industry yeah yeah uh, well it was funny because my my aunt um she is um mechanical designer like industrial designer and she worked at a company uh ruin at the time in macedonia it was i can't remember like was it like uh Yugoslavian company or something but they were like making uh, parts for like cars so she actually had the design stuff that would work in real life mm. so they were using like CAD uh, software and every time I, I would see her work I was like this is so cool you're just grabbing like a curve or like a plane you're just making stuff that people make in real life this is yeah. like awesome yeah. it's like building it's like a game but it's like for real like real life so I, I kind of learned uh, AutoCAD R14, I think it was, before I learned Maya, because it was, like, she was, um, like, I didn't have really good computer at the time at home. Like, I had really crappy Intel, um, Celeron, something, something that was, like, extremely bad, <laughs> like Pentium 1 or something, yeah. like 6 gigabytes of hard drive. And she had, like, proper, like, for, for the time, like, proper computer, so I would spend like most of my summer days like like hanging around and like she would just design stuff and just you know be creative and I was like I want to learn this mm. and just by hanging around and asking her a billion questions I kind of picked up uh, AutoCAD and how to do stuff and then funny enough in was it second or third year um of my school we actually had uh, to learn AutoCAD because I learned technical drawings and stuff like that on paper. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, now you need to do this in the computer. So here's AutoCAD. And I was like, piece of cake. Mm-hmm. I know this. So, yeah. And, like, because, like, I, I knew it um, 
I kind of showed it to the prof, uh, you know, to the teachers that I knew it, and they didn't really bother me that much. So I was actually working Maya <laughs> on the wow. on the AutoCAD classes because I would just do my assignments in like five minutes. They give you like a I don't know um, a cube, like a extruded abstract shape, and just. He, they give you like 2D planes, uh, 2D drawings, and they ask you to build it in 3D. Mm. And like, all right, done. Yeah. <laughs> Five minutes done. Um, and I didn't really, at the time, understood like how how complex things were uh, in like uh, VFX world. So I was like, I really wanted to like get stuck in Maya instead mm. because I knew that CAD was not used in any like games or movies or that kind of stuff. And I was like well, why is that? Like, And then I started to kind of explore more and then I was like, oh, there's a difference between a NURBS and a polygon. And so it's kind of br- branched off into the polygon world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so what was your first job then in the 3D? Uh, that was, yeah, that's actually a really funny story because um, like I became sort of quote-unquote famous for uh, like the, the, the 3D guy in the school um, very quickly. Uh, and uh, there was um, a competition in Macedonia for making the best uh, TV, uh, like, like TV ad, kind of, I would yeah. say, for your school. Okay. So you could like film it or you could like uh, design it in 2D, like a Macromedia Flash was at the time popular. And I was like, we're going to do it in Maya. I was like, three people in the school knew a little bit of Maya. None of us knew it properly. <laughs> but they were like, yeah, we can figure it out. And we had like a meeting with um, just like a management of the school. And I was like, can you really do this? Because this is not a joke. This is like you're representing the school here in front of the country. I was like, trust me. And I had no idea how to do it. <laughs> I, had, I, was, I was zero. <laughs> so, and they were like, okay, what do you need? And I was like, I need a powerful computer, a room, and I need to be like freed from classes for like four months. And they were like, yeah, right. And like, no, 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 I'm serious. I can't do it if I'm doing it after work. This is serious stuff. And I, I sounded like I knew what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, okay, you're actually serious. But how are you going to pass your all your exams and everything? And I was like, well, I'll figure it out. <laughs> By the end of the year, I'll have everything like, like figured out. And they were like, well, if you want to skip four months of your year, then it's up to you. We, mm-hmm. we can allow you that. But then you have to go through that material. We can't just say... Hey, you know, and I was like, yep, fine. And then they allowed me and they gave me the office and everything. I was like, okay, now what? I actually need to come up with an idea, make it make, because that was like sound design and everything was, and I was like, uh, okay, we need a plan. (laughs) So there's like a couple of guys who kind of knew Maya a little bit, like one of them was older than me. So I was like, okay, you know how to do paint effects. So you're going to do all the grass, trees, everything that's paint effects related. I don't even, I don't even want to learn this now. I need to figure out how to do like buildings and, and stuff like that. So we started doing it. And um, two months in, we had something kind of done working. Okay. And we showed it to the, you know, to the board. And they were like, oh, that looks amazing. And we like, it was not looking mm-hmm. good. But they, they had no idea how 3D works. So for them, that was like <laughs> Hollywood. So they were like, oh, are we going to win? And I was like, oh, man, they have no idea what they're talking about. This looks horrible, but I hope we're going to improve it. So we had like two months. So in those two months, my parents started to worry about me because I would go to the school like 
eight o'clock in the morning uh, and I would go home like 10 o'clock at night. Wow. Because I had to figure it out. You can't fail. Like <laughs> the whole school is depending on you. Like there's no way out. Like I dug myself into this. I'm going to, I'm going to have to finish it. And there was a lot of tutorials, a lot of trial and error. <laughs> and uh, we actually, well, like we finished the, the, the ad. We went to the festival and we won. Like wow. first in the country. And then, uh, funny enough, one of the guys from, uh, well, I think at the time, the only VFX company in Macedonia happened to be there. And they kind of like approached me and they were like, hey, you really did this on your own? I was like, well, my own. And I like helped with like a few people a little bit. And they were like, nice stuff. We have a company that's doing like CGI. Like, no and you want to work for us or something? I was like, I don't know. I was like 17, 18 at the time. I, I had no, like, no concept of a job. Yeah. <laughs> yet so like yeah for sure and uh i was like okay i need to go pick up my award and then we can go for an interview <laughs> <laughs> so i went on the stage they gave me this like golden thing i was like yeah i'm so happy about it and i called my mom I was like hey i'm I'm not coming home i found a job she's like what are you talking about you're, <laughs> you're not coming home are you serious i was like uh yeah uh can you call like ask dad to find an apartment because i have to sleep on the streets i like that was like in the capital city uh and i literally been there like once or twice before in my life that's crazy so like uh yeah i'm kind of lost in the city i have no idea where i'm gonna go tonight but find me a place please <laughs> and my dad was like oh my god he's as crazy as i am so yeah so my parents are at home searching through papers finding trying to find me a place so i can sleep that night and i'm like being on an interview it was it was surreal <laughs> but yeah that was my that's that's incredible <laughs> i'm, I'm yeah. glad i asked you that <laughs> thank you so can i ask then that attitude of like i'll I'll commit to this and then I'll figure out how I'm going to do it. Is that something that you carried through with you for the rest of your career? Um, yeah, I mean, like I didn't really know how to phrase it until I, I heard um, like a Arnold talk, I think. And he, he said something that really stuck with me that I, I realized I was doing it the whole life, but I, just didn't, I didn't know how to say it. He was like, you can't have plan B in your life if you want to succeed because your failure is because you rely on plan B. So you don't commit 110% on plan A. So if you don't have a plan B, you have to make plan A work or you fail. So, and when I think about it, like like retrospectively, when I look at it, um, it, it I kind of went with that like my whole life. Like yeah. my first day on the job, they were like, do you know how to do renders? I'm like, of course I know how to do renders. Like who doesn't know how to do rendering uh, and then uh, I knew a little bit of rendering in Maya software and they were like, perfect, we have a job for you, render man. We have about 97 shots, photorealistic to do re reconstruction of the city capital. Good luck. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Where, where's that Maya help? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so render man help files again yeah. for the rescue. That's this amazing. is a dome light. What is a dome light? <laughs> this is global illumination. What? <laughs> You're giving me anxiety just hearing about it. <laughs> yeah, and but you can't fail. Like this is like your first day on the job, and you like, like you said, you can do it, and you can't fail now. You mm. like 
So yeah, I mean, it 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 was like that for most of the stuff, and after that, it was like, oh yes, we're doing a TV show. You know, character modeling. You've done some character rest. Yeah, of course. Can you do this concept in 3D? I was like, totally. Okay, so here's ZBrush. I'm like, oh my god, another software. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew Maya, but like, what is ZBrush? Yeah. So and I opened ZBrush. I tried to rotate the canvas, and it started drawing. And I was like, I close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually didn't know how to do that. <laughs> but yeah, you go home and you're like. How to learn ZBrush, and then it's Michael Pavlovich to the rescue. <laughs> he had like a E3D, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, like very very old DVD introduction to ZBrush. And I was like, yes, thank you, come here. <laughs> so yeah, well, obviously it's something that stood to you. I mean, you've, you've turned out some like really incredible work. It's, oh, thank it's, you. It's really impressive to see. Um, I actually wanted to touch on the the 3D Total uh, award you won. Oh like, can yeah! You, can you. you talk us through that? Uh, yeah, the the goblin render. Yeah, mean? that's the yeah. one. Um, so, I am really big fantasy uh, like style fan. Um, I really like the fantasy like genre. So I, I I really get motivated when I watch like fantasy movies or like when I read books uh, sure. like related. So it happened that we were at the cinema watching Fantastic Beasts one, and and. Like I, I liked the the Harry Potter series when I was a kid, and that was all great. But then they started to stretch into like endless like parts mm-hmm. of the same movie, and it kind of lost the magic a little bit, to be honest, at the end. But like having a gap of like few years, and then like hitting a, a, a the same but also different kind of um, you know style of fantasy, it kind of like sparked the you know. You know the idea of me, like inside of me, like to do you yeah, know, something I know again. Same kind of feel. So after that, I went home and I was like, "Man, I really, I really want to do something in this kind of style, which is, but a character." Because I was doing a lot of environments at the time, and the way I try to balance my work is like, if I am doing characters at work, I do environments at home. So that's like my my thing of like progression, uh, like in multiple fields at the same time. Or like if I do modeling at work, I do rendering at home. Okay. So like you always progress in multiple fields, hmm. um, because I like to think of myself as a story artist. Like like I don't I'm uh, if you think like what is a generalist? Generalist is a story artist because like the the, the better you are at multiple fields, hmm. the better you can express that story. Sure. Because yeah. you can make a beautiful model, but if you don't know how to present it, then it's like, well, it's a beautiful model in clay, yeah. you know. So I always wanted to do something that kind of like evokes emotion when you see it and mm-hmm. it kind of speaks for itself a little bit. So I was like, okay, um, what is really challenging to do uh, and um, in the same time really fun and fantasy related? So I was like, okay, it has to be a character because I wanted to character. Um, so... I I haven't really done a lot of uh, elderly people at the time. So I was like, okay, it's going to be an older dude. Uh, but why don't I make it a creature instead of a, like, just another bust, mm-hmm. you know? like So I was like, okay, uh, I really like the, what they, they call them, the, the elves, the house elves. Oh, but yeah. they're essentially goblins if you're, like, in a different lore. Um, so I call them goblins. 
but so like okay i'm gonna do a, a goblin it's gonna be uh elderly dude and but i don't want him to be like this world of warcraft worn with scars and everything like i wanted to do something different so i was like okay maybe he's a teacher at one of the magical schools or yeah. something like that so i kind of created a little bit of story around it and i started started doing it and um a funny story about that one is um, a friend of mine suggested that we go to FMX sure. um, so in Germany. So I was like, yeah, sure. And I was like, okay, I need to you know, brush up my reel and just see what I have. And that was not looking good. <laughs> like I had, I had a lot of work that I, was, I hadn't put in my reel uh, or I was just waiting for client approvals to put. Uh, but some of them were not going to get approved by the time FMX happened. And I was like, well... I knew it is going to be like a lot of companies there. So I might as well just do something for FMX so I can actually show that I progressed in, you know, a couple of years. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm going to aim to, you know, finish the Goblin for FMX. But it was like a very short um, deadline. So I, I kind of started doing it. And I got to a point when I was kind of getting happy with the shapes. And then reality kicks in. I was like, oh, we are like couple of days <laughs> away from FMX. So uh, I really need to finish this. So I just mm-hmm. kind of wrapped it up like quickly, but not, not really properly. So we went to FMX and like I got actually a job at uh, Brownback. That's why I'm here today. Oh, cool. <laughs> so I, well, I didn't end up, you know, using the Goblin to get this particular job because it's more stylized. But um I did had interviews with like bigger companies and a lot of the feedback that I get from them, like companies like ILM and, and like MPC and stuff mm-hmm. that showed it, it really kind of opened my eyes, you know, in, in not just in terms of the model was not looking bad. It was the presentation that was like lacking stuff and like little tweaks in the model, like uh, your primary forms, uh, are bad, but your secondary and tertiary forms are good. It's what I was told. And I was like, well, why is that? And uh, like a lot of the guys pointed out, well, do you think about how this guy works underneath this beautiful wrinkly skin? You know, he's not, well, if you want us, if you want this to, to sell me that this is a character and not a, just a sculpt, a sculpt yeah. He, you need to convince me he's alive. And how do you make something alive? Well, you put proper anatomy, <laughs> yeah. pretty much, basically. So, and I was like, huh, that makes sense. So then I had, you know, I got the job and I had to move, you know, to Dublin and everything. So I, I had to abandon the, the sculpt for a little bit. But a couple of months in, um, um, I decided to take a, well, it was, I, I call it sabbatical, but it's not really a sabbatical because I didn't take time off work. I just, <laughs> I just like decided this weekend I'm not available to the world. Sure. I just locked myself into my room. Yeah. And um, I was like, okay, let's do something, you know, that actually works for this one. So I kind of decided to, well, s- delete everything that I have, like tertiary details, secondary details, just go back to like pure, uh, like silhouette. Okay. And is this working? And I like the shapes, but then anatomically it was not working correctly because I was not planning. Like when you do human, it's it's uh, slightly easier because you can't, like your eye knows how human look. Yeah. So you, you can't really, like if you misplace the eyes by a little bit, you're like, this is off. Like uncanny valley immediately. Um, but for a creature, it's like, it's harder to tell, especially when you add all the makeup on top and all the lighting and everything. I was like, delete everything. And then I got like the default 
skull that is in ZBrush, right? King yeah. Kong skull. I just put it in. I was like, oh, right. So <laughs> eyes need to be closer. Nose yeah. need to be smaller. Lips yeah. need to be you know higher and all that kind of stuff. So. And then I kind of had to like morph the skull and kind of imagine how a goblin skull would look like. And like, if I want the teeth to be so much forward, how would that impact the skull? And I was like, oh, actually, you can't do that because it's not going to work. So, so once you had that grounding in reality, it sort of kind of pulled itself together and then you yeah, yeah. polish it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then like after, like it was, it was really fast turnaround. Like I, in those two days, I got 90% of the work done. Wow. Because I was very, like, I was struggling to get the details right when I didn't have the fundamentals right. So yeah. when I got the fundamentals right, the details just clicked, you yeah. know. Because once once I get all the secondary shapes, I just went to Mari mm-hmm. and just painted all the, actually it was Mudbox, I think. I just painted all the displacement details, projected them in ZBrush. Yeah. It was looking great. Yeah, yeah. And then texturing and then just, you know, tweaking, tweaking, tweaking. And then after that, it was just like feedback from my colleagues. I would just show it around in brown bag, just mm-hmm. art directors and stuff like, hey, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. And I actually spent more time thinking about accessories than the goblin itself. Like the goblin took me like two days to kind of flesh out. And then it took me like four weeks to kind of wrap it up just because, hey, I'm going to add a brooch. Mm-hmm. And the brooch is going to represent a school, imaginary school, so kind of... I started thinking, like, what is this school about? Because, like, what would, like, the signature logo would be? So so, so this kind of ties into what you were talking about, giving him a story and yeah, uh, yeah. making it believable in, in giving it a world as well as, as the anatomy and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can, can I ask you, um, you just talked about taking some time to do that project and finishing mm. that project. Like, I, I have to be honest, I'm really guilty of starting a project and just not finishing it. <laughs> yeah, um, we've all been there. <laughs> so... Um, how do you decide then what things you're going to kind of challenge yourself with to improve upon? Um, I well nowadays I actually have a method for it. At the beginning, to be honest, I was struggling a little bit because I'm naturally a very curious person. Sure. I like to learn everything. I want to know how the world works, and then I want to replicate it in 3D. Now that is great, unless you are in production or you want to like develop a certain skill. Like, if you're just, like, hobbyist and you just take this, you know, not seriously, then you're fine. But if you want to make a living out of it, it's not a good plan because you would start a room, you would never finish it. You would start a character, you would never finish it. Or you would model it, but then never texture it. So so I was, to be honest, very um, much guilty of that myself, um, kind of, like, bouncing around stuff and learning a little bit of that and this. And then I realized I will never get better unless I focus on one thing mm. and learn this. So what I did is that going back to that necessity of things. So I decided, okay, I'm going to start a project so big that I don't even know how to start. Okay. So I didn't start a character or uh, an environment or a city. I started an IP. Okay. So I started making a world. So I was like, okay, I'm going to task myself with inventing something because going back to this, I'm a story artist. I want everything that I do to fit in a specific style, in a specific IP. And that made things so much easier because everything that I do is connected Mm. to my previous piece and to my next piece, but they're completely different. Mm. 
So, and being like fan of, of the fantasy and a little bit of sci-fi also genre, it allows me to do stuff like, oh, I can have a goblin and a real character and then can still work in the same world. Mm. Because who says goblin and human cannot exist in my world? Yeah. Yeah. And then I can do a, like a, a very simple test uh, this week of a metal shader, but I'm going to model a relic that's going to be on the goblin's and a, you know, coat yeah. as a brooch. So I decided to, like every time I'm doing like personal work, I try to tie it in to the bigger story. Mm-hmm. And the good thing about it is you're, you're restrained by a specific set of rules. Um, but you also have a lot of freedom because you're developing it yourself. Yeah. So every time I try to do something, I try to go with what the project needs. So I'm going to be like, okay, I have a character and now I want to show it on an environment. Okay, so what do we need for this environment? I need a sci-fi but retro-looking plane. All right, let's do research on World War II Spitfire. Yeah. And you go about, and then let's do research on how to design stuff for sci-fi, and then try to like blend those two together. So you would spend like I would spend a week or two just researching design and not do any work, and then I would do hard surface modeling for for, for a week or two. So, so you'd say having those constraints then gives you the the kind of freedom to actually follow through with the with the design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. The biggest issue people have is staring at a blank scene and not knowing what to do next. Yeah. If you have rules, like we're like our brains like following rules. We like following patterns. That's how we make sense of things. So if you have a calendar, let's say it's even better. Like if you if you're that kind of person where you can say, from January 10th to January 17th, I'm, I'll be doing hard surface modeling. Yeah. It has to be this, this, and that, this, this, and that, and it needs to work for this project. So you are basically mimicking a studio-like environment, and you are setting yourself for success because, you know, you when you go to a studio, that's exactly what happens. You have your shotgun page or any you know, you know, task manager thing, and you have a task and you have a deadline. So if you're doing that at home, you're already a step ahead. Yeah, it's you're kind of comfortable in that. Yeah, yeah. So you don't take like I love pressure. <laughs> I I don't know why is that, but I I perform under pressure really really well. You give me freedom and I'll be like whatever. Yeah. You give me pressure and I'm like 120% in it. It's interesting you you say that, Darko, because just before we started, you were showing me the freelance work that you're doing, as as well as the full-time job that you're doing in (laughs) in Brandbike. Um, And I I just, I don't know how you get that that amount of work done. It's it's really impressive. But um, I was wondering, could you talk to us a little bit about how you broke into freelancing and and what, what, maybe give us some advice? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, Well, yeah, I, I do a lot of freelance because it allows me to work on multiple projects at the same time sure. um, with different styles. For example, in Brownback, I'm doing a lot of stylized work, um, like doing like Disney, Nickelodeon kind of TV shows. They have a specific style, which is very cartoony, very stylized, which is great. Mm-hmm. But then being the curious you know, mind that I am, I like exploring different stuff. Like I also every now and then want to do realistic stuff. Sure. And so... And doing freelance, it's like I try to tailor my projects to, you know, kind of fit my, um, you know, my style and like what I want to do. Like I don't take projects that I don't like to do mm-hmm. because it's freelance. I can pick and choose what I want. 
Um, the thing about being a freelancer is I like I was working in, uh, in a company in Macedonia and we were doing like very similar things like to what we do here, but a bit more commercial based. Okay. It was still very stylized. Uh, we were not doing like any realistic rendering. But it was a commercial after commercial after commercial. And the thing about working in the commercial business is you have to become very, very fast. Okay. Because everything is for yesterday and your client have no idea what they want. So expect million and one changes mm-hmm. in three days. Okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. you have to have a workflow that allow you to be fast, efficient and get like things done. And you can never fail a project. And that kind of mentality kept me into my freelance because I was doing this and I was like, there's got to be something more than this. Like, I can't be doing this for the rest of my life. I mean, mm-hmm. like I had, an, um, I had an ambition to do more. And then, um, funny enough, a friend of mine, like I'm thinking that and a friend of mine is sending me a message. Hey, I have a freelance job um, of a Swedish company uh, trying to develop, uh, you know, some pitch for a game or something. They need animation, and they had no idea like what is required to do animation. So they actually wanted the full like ad, not just the animation, but they call it animation. So they contacted animator, yeah. thinking they knew everything. Yeah. And he contacted me because he was like, "I'm animator, but I need someone to design model, light, texture, shade, <laughs> all that. <laughs> so yeah. I can do my animation. <laughs> yeah. You can do everything like, else. Yeah. I was like, yeah, why not? So I kind of signed in for that job. And uh, that freelance project was paying me more than what I was getting in six months in my day job. Wow. Because in Macedonia, the standards are vastly different. Sure. Like, I have no problem talking about money. Uh, um, but, like, in Macedonia, you, if you're an artist, you're lucky if you get 500 euros a month. Wow. And it, that's enough to live on, though, there, is it? Or... Kind of, but not really. Like, you can live, but you're not going to live. You can, you can survive. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you can survive with them, but a, you're not going to, like... A starving artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, yeah, and I was, like, around that price, uh, a bit higher, but it doesn't matter. And um, that, like, the project comes in, and they offer me, like, way more money. Sure, yeah. And we do the test, and the guy, they, the guy loved it. And they were like... How about you quit your job and I pay you monthly to do freelance for me? And I was like, drop the mic. Yeah. Done. Why would you say no? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. I'm doing demons and beasts and sculpts and yeah. you know cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, I do whatever I want. I have no art director, which at first was really scary because mm. it meant I had to design stuff. And I, before that, I was just a modeler. Mm. Uh, and then I was responsible for an IP, which was like mind-boggling. I was like, "Oh, I can't, I can't yeah. screw this up because yeah. the whole IP is going down if I if I make mistakes." Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's basically how it started. And I was like, "Yep." So I quit my day job and I started working for them. Um, and like one sculpt after another after another, and they were like, uh, "We want to do." like a banner for a website, so like a demon animation, like a quick test. And like, okay, so we did that one. That took like two months. And they were like, you guys are awesome artists in Macedonia. Uh, I was like, dude, it's only me. <laughs> 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 we have like four four artists, five artists in Macedonia at the yeah. time yeah. who were like really into that stuff. Um, 
because most of the good artists they would like either like leaving the country or they they wanted to leave the sure. country uh, because you know when you compare how much you get in like US or the UK compared yeah. to Macedonia it's like yeah. it's mind boggling yeah. so and he was like well can you so they offered me actually a job so he was like can you collect a group of people and I'm going to open up a company and you're going to run it in Macedonia and I was like uh, that's shady a little bit like a random guy off the internet allowing me to run a company <laughs> After four months of freelance, buying computers and stuff, like, this is awesome and scary and I yeah. don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> I was like... It seems to be a theme here. Yeah, yeah, okay, fine. Let me talk with my lawyer. And I talked with my lawyer. He was like, dude, just make, me, make him a contract and say, this is our responsibilities, this is blah, blah. I had no idea how to do business at that point. I was mm -hmm. like, noob. So he was like, you need to learn how to do business if you want to do freelance or you're going you're gonna to be a starving artist for the rest of your life. Um, so, yeah, and then he, I kind of had to pick up a lot of, like, business books on how do you negotiate and how do you, like, price yourself properly and everything. And, like, we started that, and I, he, he flew in from, like, Sweden. Uh, the guys are called Nordic Plan. And we set up the office, and it was like, it was amazing like for for two years i was running that company um and it was the most rewarding and stressful job in my life in the same yeah. time because i was responsible for kind of like keeping the project on track mm -hmm. i had like uh, we started with like two artists and we in two years we were like 15 people so we had um like he bought everything from computers to like Cintiqs to like everything. I was like, okay, this is serious. So we, and then we actually, after we finished the project, um, we kind of started doing some commercial work and everything. And uh, it was actually going really, really well. But the funny story is the, pro the company was uh, like formed to create a trailer for a, for a movie they wanted to pitch to like the big, like sure. the big studios to Sony and the guys. And we were like 70% done with the trailer. We had like the first test renders were coming and everything. And we kind of have like a basic montage of everything. And he showed it to one of the guys um, and they won the pitch. And he was like, well, our job is done here. We're closing the office down. And I was like, but this is going so well. well why? Oh. Like, it's a means to an end, dude. This is business. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I was unemployed. <laughs> I had uh, a lot of hardware yeah. uh, in my hands. I was like, okay, I need to do something with this. So I, I, I could continue running the company by myself or, and like take over the whole responsibilities financially. Yeah. But to do that, like I, because I was like learning business, like along the way, mm -hmm. I was like, this is going to become me doing business and not doing art. Yeah. So I'm going freelance. So I went for, uh, for full-time freelance after that. And at the beginning, it was very scary because you know, no one mm -hmm. and no one know, knows that you exist. Mm. So you can be a great artist, but if you're not known, you know, then you just don't matter because people don't give you jobs. So and can I ask how you got over that then? How did you get get your name out there? Um very slowly. Like I there, there's like two ways around it. Like you can do 
like nowadays, especially with social media, you can you can advertise yourself on YouTube, your channel, on like Facebook, you can put ads, whatever. I didn't do, wanted to go with that because, well, first of all, I didn't know about it, to be honest, um, to that extent, that social media is that big of a thing. Uh, and second, I didn't want to invest money in promoting myself because I thought it's cheating, uh, going back to this yeah. old school artistic now, now when I think about it, it's like everything is marketing. Because if you don't market yourself, then then why do you even try to do freelance? Like <laughs> yeah. that's it's it's pure business. One thing that artists don't understand is you have to be a really good businessman to be a really good freelancer. Mm. Because you can be awesome artist if you don't know how to negotiate and how to schedule and plan your projects. You're gonna fail. Yeah. Um, because one thing I really noticed in the beginning is. I thought that what is going to happen is I'm going to have all the time in the world. I can pick the projects that I want and I can just go home, work when I want and then just go out. Turns out it's not working that way because if you don't have your next project coming, you have to do something to get it, which means you have no life, (laughs) which means you can't work whenever you want. You have to work all the time because you're all the time. You're unsure if you're going to get a new project in or not. So what 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 I I need needed to do is get well known uh, or at least better known um, online, so that people can you know kind of start throwing me jobs yeah. without me applying. Because the hardest thing is you try to apply for a job. If you become a freelance, what you need to do is your job needs to come to you. Yeah, that's when you can become a comfortable freelancer. Because what a lot of people do is they go to like up. Upwork was it called or like one like of these up, upskilling is that kind of yeah it's like I think it was called Upwork or or freelancer dot com something oh, like that okay. so Elance, Elance. Elance yeah, yeah something like so any of those sites and you try to bid for like nine dollars yeah. an hour which is like ridiculous for you know the amount of work you're gonna put into and I tried that route and I was like this is not working mm. the clients have no idea what they want yeah. the projects suck. Mm. You you have no idea like if you're gonna get it or not, and you're just out. It's like uh, like being on an auction trying to outbid the others, yeah, yeah, and you're okay. dropping the price just, just to get it. Someone else is just gonna yeah. undercut you, right? So yeah. so what changed then? What what did you do differently? Uh, well, I started posting. Um, like I, first of all, I decided to up my game in terms of my art. So that um, the one of the renders that really. Uh, kind of got me um, exposure was the the revival um, and uh, so I kind of decided to okay I'm unemployed pretty much but I have um, a little bit of cash saved so I can allow myself to go uh, like dedicate like this couple of months just to my portfolio and mm-hmm. just do something really really cool that I haven't done before mm-hmm. so I did that um uh, render with the jungle with the beast coming out of the cave oh, yeah, yeah. and i posted it and i think at the time it got shared in like cg society and like all these websites and then on art station and slowly like my like likes count started to like wrap up um and then uh encouraged by the success of that i did a couple more environments like that the one with the snow and so yeah, and like 
because I already set my standards, I couldn't go lower than that. Yeah. So it was like a pressure mm -hmm. uh, thing. And as I said, I work really well under pressure. So I was like, okay, I did one good. I need to do another. So yeah. I did another one. And there was like even more exposure, even more. And then I started getting emails from like clients. Okay. And then actually that's how I got like my first slightly bigger job uh, for freelance. Uh, a client just messaged me like, hey, I saw your work on CG Society. Funny enough, I have 10 times more follower on ArtStation and I had zero jobs from Art, not one actually job from ArtStation. Mm -hmm. And I got around 20 jobs from CG Society. Oh, right. And... Like, like nobody bothers to follow you on Sage Society mm. nowadays for some reason, but all the clients seems to find me there, which is really really funny. Yeah. Like I would never guess that, like you know how big our station is nowadays. Like you would think everybody would go there, yeah, but not to a non-artist people. That's mm. not that famous actually for non-artist people because when you we type CGI artist, Sage Society comes in first uh -huh. for some reason. Uh, so and then these jobs obviously you were doing stuff that you enjoyed uh, yeah so the jobs were kind of in related are kind of related creatively yeah, yeah, to yeah. The, those things so that's a, a that's a win as well then yes yeah, yeah that's yeah. very cool so yeah after after that actually I got a client like I got a call from a client saying hey we like to do a trailer for a game in your style and I was like I didn't know I have a style <laughs> <laughs> but thank you Okay, so they actually gave me a lot of work um, uh, awesome. based on that jungle jungle scene. Yeah. Uh, so and and then it just started, you know, snowballing. So you do one good project and you post it, and then you get like even more exposure, and then they spread the word. Yeah. And then one thing that I found really helps is going to like a lot of events like FMX or Annecy because you get to work. It's like what I call it is going through the back door. Mm. So you get to meet the companies. You get to meet supervisors. What do you want to do? Like this is my strategy even for applying for, for like a day job. I don't go to HR because mm. if you go to HR, you just go on the pile of, you know, applicants. Yeah. What you do is you contact any high value, you know, person in that company mm -hmm. and do not ask them for a job. You just want to meet them, like genuinely try to meet them yeah. and try to make a bond. Yeah. And they see your work and they recommend you. Mm -hmm. And then you instantly have a job. You don't yeah. even need an interview. Yeah. So I, I find that works like really well because, and I, I actually discovered this by accident because I can't remember the name of the artist, but it was like an article about a company doing something. And then the supervisor was talking through how they did it. Mm -hmm. And I just wrote a genuine email saying, hey, this is really good. I wrote an article and I was just wondering how you guys did this and this. Mm -hmm. And he replied back and he asked for my portfolio. He was like, hey, are you doing something like this? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm actually trying it out. And I actually sent some of my renders and my art station. And he was like, hey, are you interested in doing a freelance for us? And I was like, hey, this is a gold mine. Yeah. This is actually how you, you know. Yeah. So I actually started applying this trick to, trick, quote unquote, to like pretty much everything now. So you go to fairs, you talk with companies and you just say, if, you, if you're not interested in being an employee there, you say, here's my portfolio. I love your stuff, but I would love to work as a freelancer. Yeah. If you have anything, you just call me in and then you go home and then you wait. Could you talk us through some of the conferences you've been to? to, to oh yeah. Um, well, there's a couple of good ones. Uh, Seagraph, uh, perfectly um, 
like if you're like one of like if you're a tech guy especially if you're software interested in like development stuff seagraph is really really well for that it's a bit expensive and far away of course um but that's really good one uh the trojan horse was a unicorn awesome one awesome awesome uh, um, as I mentioned, um, Annecy in, mm-hmm. um, France. in France, yeah. uh, really good one. Um, yeah, the one in Stuttgart, uh, FMX, uh, really, really uh, highly recommended. So yeah, those are the main ones. Have you ever been to the Zebrush one? No, no, I haven't. Yeah, uh, yeah. Thing about that is, I need visas to go pretty much anywhere. So uh, okay. going there just for it's going to require a lot of effort, and yeah. I might not even get it because I know. Like Darko Markovic, I think he was like, he's a concept artist and he got invited to like the speed sculpt thing in ZBrush mm-hmm. and he got invited by Pixelogic to yeah. be like uh, there and they didn't approve him the visa because. Wow, that yeah. sucks. So um, when you came over to Ireland first, did you have to sort a, a visa out for yourself or? Yes, uh, that's been my, my bottleneck for the last couple of years actually. Like I've, I've talked with a lot of big companies and I had interviews and they were like, awesome, brilliant work. Like, we would love to have you. Uh, is there anything we need to know? And I was like, yes, I need a visa. Oh, we're going to call you. Uh-huh. Never, never call you back. Or they call you back saying, sorry, we need you like tomorrow and your visa process is going to take six months and sorry, we can't afford to wait for you six months. Yeah. So that was actually really fortunate because the show that I was starting on in Brownback was already in development, which means if I come sooner or earlier, it didn't really matter that much for them because they had a lot of, you know, a lot of time to go, uh, you know, with the show. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it was relatively quickly, but yeah, Brownback is actually one of the few companies who actually bother to go through the process because i mean i do understand them from a business standpoint of view it's a nightmare to go through a visa yeah uh because they need to prove to the government that you're the end-all be-all artist of the planet and they can't find anyone as good as you in ireland um or any country like you're applying to so and that is not as easy as it sounds because they need to build a case it's actually going through lawyers and stuff it's like like the more I kind of researched about it, I was like, "Oh man, no, no wonder why they, why they don't want to, you know, kind of bother with you." Um, but on the other side, if you're the artist, it's extremely hard to get a job into the industry, even if you are a really good artist, because you are a good artist, but you are not geographically located yeah, where you should be. So, well, too bad, you know, sucks to be you. Uh, but you know, from a business standpoint of view, a lot of the times they don't have the you know the budget or the time to wait for you. So it's really really hard to get actually. So what would you say to someone who is in that position, who is maybe uh, somewhere where they needed a visa or they knew they needed a visa? Like what what would your advice to them be? Um, well, first of all, I would say don't be mad at the company for not sponsoring you uh, because. First of all, it doesn't mean that you're a bad artist if they don't, you know, sponsor your visa. It just means that for this particular project, they can't have you or the deadline is too short or whatever or the budget or whatever it is. It doesn't mean they don't like you. And Mm -hmm. so, first of all, always keep like the contact with the company and just keep coming back to them saying, hey, guys, I'm still here. Yeah, I'm still here. I'm still alive. This is my update of my portfolio. And that actually helps a lot because... um, 
the German company that I usually do freelance for uh, Liga or one. Mm-hmm. That that's actually how I started. I had an interview with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was them or Brownback. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Brownback, but I kept good terms with them. Um, and uh, and then, you know, a couple of months later, I did the Goblin. Mm. Uh, once I moved in, so I sent them the Goblin as, yeah. a, you know, hey, here's what I do. If you guys need any, like, character work or anything like that, shading, whatever, just call me. I'm a freelance open. So they called me back. And then we did the Elvenar trailer. And then they called me back for the second one, and then for the uh, Forge of Empires, and like so, and it just kept, you know, growing into a bigger you know, collaboration. So if you need a visa, it doesn't mean that your career ends there. Yeah. Like you still, you know, you can still find a job. It just you need to keep, you know, keep trying, and you need to like, and it doesn't mean that if this is if this company can't support you, it doesn't mean that other company will. So you just need to find. You know the right circumstances. You know, yeah. it, it just you yeah, know yeah, yeah. they need to align basically. Yeah, I thought that's interesting though that you say that you, just by showing your progression and showing that you're still working can yeah. can get you in the door, even if you didn't get in the door the, the first time around. Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, on on that note, um, you've done a few kind of um, classes and things. You've worked with Animation Skillnet, and, yeah, and you gave a talk for us actually, which was really good. Well, thank you. Um, do you have any 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 other tutorials or anything uh, in the works or? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, in a couple of weeks from now, um, another animation skill net course starts, uh, and um, the first one I did was modeling for environments for production, mm-hmm. how like different um, you know approaches you would take uh, depending on the production, and then this one is more oriented towards shading and lighting and like look development how sure. you can like, emulate like different materials how can you make plastic look like plastic and be like realistic and it's, it's more tailored towards realistic um yeah. kind of looks because i noticed it's very popular um yeah, for yeah. some reason in ireland being realistic um like style so that that's substance then is it or, mine uh, or? it's it would be a combination of uh like uh, like classical texturing like mari matbox photoshop route plus um, substance, uh, plus procedurals. So I want to give as many options as I can. Yeah. Like I want to say, okay, he, this is the history, this is how we did it in the past, and you should still know it because if you if someone just takes away substance, you need to be a texture artist, not a substance artist yeah. 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 Uh, at the end of the day. You need to know how it works. Yeah, yeah. so you need yeah. to like, yeah. Like I, that's something that I always do with myself. Like I always give myself challenges to do things the hard way. Like I can... I can sculpt a face, but can I polymodel a face still? Right. Yeah. What if you take away ZBrush tomorrow? Can I still be an artist? Yeah. So this this kind of ties back to what you're talking about with the having a story. Once you give yourself constraints, then you yeah. c- you actually push yourself in a direction and and you improve as an artist. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It's interesting. Um, so that kind of uh, led me uh, into a, a bigger tutorial that I'm developing, which is how would you do a full blown production set? Okay. Um, so, because there's a lot of misconceptions about, um, okay, I'm an artist and I'm going to go into a studio and they're going to give me this and I'm going to make it beautiful and make everything by hand. Mm-hmm. In reality, it doesn't work that way because studio can't afford to have you six months on one set. They want it done in two weeks. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. So, you, like, tutorial is going to be more of, um, okay, here's a layout, here's a camera. Um, can you 
do something about it. So okay. you're given a concept if you're lucky, um, and you're giving a basic layout and uh, you know ca- character movement, and you need to like build environment around it. So it's a really big project, mm-hmm. and I'm um, I'm trying to work uh, as much as I can on it doing freelance and teaching in animation skill net in a day job yeah <laughs> so it's a little bit of a stretch at the moment so, but, but i'm still trying to like i have like dates in my calendar where i work freelance and then when i work on the course yeah yeah so this is this is something that'll lead down the road but it will be available yes yeah. uh, it will be available on my gumroad um as well as ArtStation. if anyone wants to find out more about you where where's the best place to see your work uh, well, yes, um, ArtStation, obviously, um, just Dark Cognitive ArtStation, or um, my website is also connected to my ArtStation, so darkcognitive.com mm-hmm. will also bring you to the website version of the ArtStation, as well as um, Art of Dark Cognitive on my Facebook um, page. Mm-hmm. Um, I post um, a lot of the updates for tutorials okay. and, and like recent works um, on it, um, so yeah. That's pretty much. And you're not on Twitter or Instagram or anything, no? Uh, I am on Instagram, but to be honest, I'm not. I'm not on Twitter. Uh, I am on Facebook. I'm kind of on Instagram, but I don't really use it that much. Yeah. I use it mostly for like sharing my art sure. with people. Yeah. Like I don't do photographs or food and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. People like to do it with Instagram. <laughs> Typical Instagram stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, art Darko, it's on Instagram. That's, that's, okay. Yeah, and if anyone wants to you know, like get in touch and talk to you, obviously you come to the three D meetups, right? Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, Darko, it's been a really, really interesting uh, chat with you. Thanks so much for coming out and, and oh. chatting to us. I think we'll leave it there. Yeah. Thanks for for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the three D Meetup podcast. If you have any suggestions for how we can improve the show or recommendations for future guests, please get in touch at 3dmeetupdublin at gmail.com. Join us on meetup.com, follow us on social media, and check out our website, 3dmeetupdublin.ie. I hope you enjoyed the show, and I'll see you at the next meetup.